So the uh, experience of the early church is very different from our experience. I'm trying to get myself into their mindset. Yes, there were some Jews and some non-Jews, but actually all of them for the first time were invited to make a, a response to faith. So they couldn't pass it down through the generations. So it was coming fresh to them, the Jew or the non-Jew, which is different from us to respond to faith. We live in a Christian culture. It's very different for us. Um, And there's different ways and pathways to faith I'm going to be exploring on a a couple today. But as I've been reminded before the service, um, these aren't simple things. Following God, understanding God and and Jesus is a a very mysterious thing, but it's my belief that we can know certain important things that help us on that journey. Um, Some of us within the church here, you'll recognize this symbol. I'm sorry, I've borrowed the collection bow. You can put cash in there. There's not very much in there at the moment, but there's a big tub at the back. But there's a big question mark sign, the Alpha Course. If any of you were up I think at 7.40 and happened to be ra- listening to Radio 2 this morning. Anyone up at 7.40 listening? You might you have heard anyone in our congregation this morning. Yes, a few of you, Pippa, on Radio 2. Not scary at all, was it, Pippa? Doing that live to two and a half million people. But she was sharing about daily hope and hymns we love. And although not an alpha course, it's the same principle. It's starting with where people are at with their questions. And the whole purpose is it of it is for people to be helped or to discover a journey of faith. For some of us, um, we might need long memories about when we found faith in Jesus. For others, it's been a slow process. Nothing remarkable. For some of you, And I said earlier, I never wanted my children to have to do one of these. Uh, A dramatic, life-changing experience. And to have a dramatic, life-changing experience means that you were probably on a very wrong course in the first place. I pray for those of us who've wandered from the faith. For those of us whose heart has probably gone a little bit cold to the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might hear his call afresh this morning and he might remind us of the things that drew us onto a pathway of faith and the many things that have kept us there. And know this, if you've begun a journey with Jesus, he'll never leave you or forsake you. Paul constantly preached that Jesus must suffer and rise from the dead. And to some extent, and it's not a very appealing call, but for many that's their authentic Christian experience. The crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus raises some of the biggest questions that some choose to respond to positively and others walk away. This is a gateway or a stumbling block to faith. Acts 17, 32. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, and others said, 
we want to hear you again on this subject. It's a dividing issue right from the start. Now, simplistic approach, but look at the Bible. I think there's two ways um, that um, pull pathways to faith that are expressed in, the, in, the, in our Bible passage today. But I know um, Christianity is more complex than that, but you just have to stay with me. One way was through the synagogue, which um, was, rep was represented by the Jews and the God-fearers. They hung around the synagogue. They studied the scriptures every day. They were seekers after truth. Verse 10 to 12, the Bereans were more receptive to their message and eagerly examined the scriptures on a daily basis to verify the truth of Paul's teaching. The scriptures were the obvious way for Paul to communicate with the Jews in order for them to find faith. There was some traction there, some understanding, some common ideas. Some responded, others rejected. We read in verse 13 that the Jews from Thessalonica, they'd heard the same message, but they came agitating the crowd, stirring them up, wanted rid of Paul, and he escapes to Athens. The second group here, when he's in Athens, yes, he went to the synagogue to start off with, and then to the marketplace, and the marketplace uh, was a place filled with questions. And where, similarly, uh, the resurrection seemed to divide opinion. Uh, but depending on the audience, Paul uses a different approach. There's no point in talking to people about things that they don't know. So we can't assume that people within our culture understand about the scriptures, although as Pippa was explaining on Radio 2 this morning, many understand about hymns. So depending on um, their background, there's a different approach. Jewish audience, they had a shared history and shared scriptures. Um, and he also tries to communicate this with Greeks and God-fearers in Athens. But um, the majority of the Athenians hadn't got a clue what he was talking about. Um, they uh, were more interested in philosophy. And we know that Paul, verse 16, was shocked when he came to Athens because it was teeming with idols. Paul is um, undeterred. Uh, verse 18, a group of Epicureans and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. A few of you probably in uh, small groups at the moment looking at Acts. Are there any of you in the small groups looking at Acts? You'll have heard the name uh, Tom Wright, Bishop Tom Wright, who's uh, written some very helpful commentaries on the subject. But he says this, the Epicureans thought that the world and the gods we're a long way from one another. So, really, really distant God. Like, um, probably not you, 
that if parents or God is very distant, maybe you think you can get away with quite a lot. And these people got away with quite a lot and they're pursuers of pleasure rather than wanting to know. Um, well, they couldn't possibly know God because they've not had that opportunity to receive the gospel. Now, the Stoics, on the other hand, believe that uh, a divinity lay within the present world and within each human being. It's not quite Christianity, but it's maybe it gives a little bit of traction there. They might be more receptive to the gospel, but they thought that God could be discovered and harnessed, uh, and they could work him out uh, through their rationality. Now, the Roman Empire was a melting pot of different ideas. Christianity, another flavor to add to this mix, but it wasn't to everyone's taste. It seems that they were spiritually open. So Paul heads to the Areopagus, an academic debating forum, and there they would waste hours debating things and showing how clever they were and puffing themselves up. Paul was courageous, and um, he decided, decided to sort of challenge them, and he would invite them to repent and encounter and put their faith in Jesus, the living God. And his pathway, this is like quite clever, I think, and quite courageous, but he picked something from their society, a, a shrine, if you like, to an unknown God, and he is courageous enough to say, well, let me introduce you to the person and the God that you're looking for. Verse 22, the people of Athens, I see, people of Athens, I see that you're very religious, flattering, for as I walked around and looked carefully at all your objects of worship, I even found an altar uh, with this inscription on it to an unknown God. Then he says, I'm going to explain this to you. And he begins his explanation talking about creation. I actually think that's quite a powerful approach, but it doesn't work for everyone. It works for me, or worked for me. I couldn't go out into the wider world with all its beauty, and I know there's things that are marred as well, um, and believe it was an accident. I say this lots. It takes more faith for me to believe that God doesn't exist than to believe that he does exist. Things are just too remarkable, but not everyone comes to the same conclusion as me, but surely lots of people do. I mean, it is just so remarkable. How did it happen? Who is behind this? Verse 27 reminds us that it is um, for him that we live and move and have our being. And Paul's key message is that the God who is unknown, both in the synagogue and those attending to studying the scriptures on a daily basis, the Jews, and in the marketplace, those debating as philosophers, this message of the unknown God, that he is knowable. For the Jews, the pathways through their history and their understanding and uh, interpretation of scriptures. And I've already said, for some that um, made them open to hearing about Jesus, 
And for some, it was quite the reverse. It was quite dangerous to be around them. Many Athelian philosophers cherished this broad menu and didn't want to be wedded to an idea of one true God. Um, the gospel message was an offense to them. Con invites us to all come to a place where we're able to maybe lay down our ideas, our preconceived ideas, maybe some of our pretensions, maybe to confess to some of the barriers to faith or the barriers that stop us continuing in faith and to come to a renewed understanding of who Jesus is, Jesus who is the resurrection and the life, the one who was a, a gateway to all of us, is a gateway to all of us, but can be a stumbling block also. I just, um, a few words. I think um, God wants to be found. That's the message I get from this passage. And there's all sorts of things that stop us. And maybe it's different for different people, but I think some of the excuses are the same yesterday, uh, today, and will be tomorrow. But I think often our pride stops us going on a journey with Jesus. Maybe it's pleasure-seeking. Maybe it's the desire, like the um, philosophers, to form God in our own image. Maybe it's a temptation to create an identity that's nothing to do with God. Possibly it's money and the lust for money. Maybe it's celebrity. Maybe it's our work that's the most important thing. Our status, how much we know, how clever we are, our looks, sex, idolizing family. And that doesn't mean loving family. It means putting them higher than God. Unforgiveness. Maybe some of us would say pain and suffering are a barrier or a stumbling block to going on a pathway of faith. But this can be a gateway to faith for so many people as well, finding God's loving presence in our struggles and our sufferings. God wants to be found. He knows all about suffering and loss. Today, um, we're exploring, as I said, some of the pathways of faith. This can come through scripture. It can come through prayer. It can come through divine revelation. As I've said, it can come through nature, through music, beauty, our good parenting and unconditional love. And as I've said already, hardship and suffering. The book of Acts teaches that there's no pathway to God, however, without a belief that Jesus died and rose again. Over the last um, quite a few months now, we've been hearing stories of faith, and Catherine's very kindly going to come and share her story of faith with us now. As she shares, I wonder whether you consider how your 
pathway to faith is similar to hers and very different to hers. And maybe uh, as she shares, maybe you're not on a pathway to faith, but to ask the question, God, uh, would you help me? Thanks, Patrick. So I grew up in a family that wouldn't have called itself Christian, but we went to church at Christmas and Easter basically because it was the thing to do, sort of cultural Christianity rather than because it meant anything. Um, my memories of church from that time are of long words I didn't understand being required to sit still for long periods of time as a little child or stand for what felt like an interminable period of time. And the smell of incense stays with me to this day. Those were the sorts of things that I remember from church, not any kind of, of what it was really all about. I was confirmed as a teenager, again, because it was the done thing. Um, but Looking back with hindsight, I can see that from that point of confirmation, God did start to be at work in my life. And there's a few different strands there. One was as we were preparing for confirmation, I was taken to a local convent for a sort of retreat day. And I remember just having a time of silence where I really felt an overwhelming sense of peace that I couldn't explain at the time, but I now know looking back was the Holy Spirit. And also as part of that confirmation preparation, I was given a, a New Testament. And again, I sort of received it and I was like, okay, what do I do with that? Let's find a drawer to put that in. But over my teenage years, I was kind of drawn back to it. And although I never really talked about it to anyone at the time, there were days when I just opened that Bible and kind of read something there and I was like oh okay maybe there's something in this and I also know that during my teenage years a friend at school was praying for me regularly I know that because she told me so and again at the time I was like okay you can pray for me if you want but you know so what um but God was definitely at work in my life but I wouldn't have called myself a Christian at that point at all I went to university then, um, and that was a huge deal for me, leaving home and going to university, as it is for everyone approaching the beginning of their adult lives. And it took me a little while to make some good friends at university, but I got to the end of my first week, and I had made one really good friend, who was a girl on my staircase called Becca. She was a Christian, and the first weekend at university, she said to me, would you like to come to a Christian Union meeting? Would I like to go to a Christian Union meeting? Well, honestly, not really. But because I'd made this really good friend and I didn't want to say no because I thought that would ruin my friendship, I was like, well, okay then. And I went to the Christian Union meeting. Now, I was in Oxford, so we were blessed with some amazing speakers at this sort of thing. And we had Nicky Gumbel that, that night come and he was speaking about the parable of the lost son. And for me... That was just one of those moments where God worked a miracle in me and opened my eyes, and I just had one of those penny drop moments. It was like, oh, so God actually is my father who loves me so much that he died on the cross for me so that I could run home into his arms of love stretched out to welcome me home as his lost child. And 
it was just amazing. And I, you know, classic introvert, I didn't go to the front of church or anything like that. But I went back into my room afterwards and prayed the little prayer from the back of the booklet I had been given and gave my life to Jesus. And for me, that was just the start of a journey that continues to this day. I mean, in those early days, I, I told my friend the next day that I'd given my life to Christ, and she was just amazed and delighted. And I had so much to learn in those first weeks and months, and she invested so much time in praying for me and reading the Bible with me. Um, it wasn't all plain sailing. I went back home and told my parents what had happened, and they were like, oh, don't worry, dear, it's a phase, you'll grow out of it. I mean, hello. Um, but... You know, over time, from that point on, I have known God's faithfulness. Life hasn't always been easy, but God has been the rock who has been there for me through the good times and the bad times. And I just finished with a, a Bible verse that has meant a lot to me in my life. It's Psalm, Psalm 63, verse 8, and it says, I cling to you, your right hand upholds me. And it's just like, when I feel like I'm barely clinging on by my fingertips, I can know that God's right hand is underneath, actually upholding me. And it's not all about my ability to cling on. It's about his love and his faithfulness. So um, this is a bit unfair. We haven't got very long. So, but how's your story? Is there any parallels in your story? And in a few words... How's your story different? So, you can chat to each other if you want, but you don't have to. But what resonated with you, with your story, and how's your story maybe a little bit different? So, I'll leave you for a few moments. You can think quietly or you can chat if you want to. One of the things... Um, that I discovered a little while ago is that like, I, there's quite a few of us on the staff team, but I hadn't heard their stories. And it, it's incredible. It's really powerful to hear stories. I hadn't heard Catherine's story before. Holly was earlier. I heard Pippa's story a few weeks ago. We don't, no one can deny our story. Just, so today, again, it's another nudge for us to remember and maybe get more confident about the stories, our lives, that no one can deny. And it doesn't have to be, um, it just has to be true <laughs> and about Jesus. But it's really, really powerful. And maybe as we reflect on our stories, we get a bit more confident about our stories. And like Catherine was saying, maybe more confident about inviting people to um, explore um, some of the big questions of the Christian faith. Anyway, I'm going to just stop and pray now. We're going to be doing, I think there'll be a Hymns We Love course again, um, if not next term, certainly in the new year. And Alpha, a wonderful place to come and hear about the Christian faith and ask questions, will begin on the 21st of September. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for um, inviting us to journey with you. I pray, Lord, that uh, we would be, we'd have our eyes open to the pathway of faith that you're calling us to journey on. And Lord, that 
you'd be with us always through the struggles and through the joys. Thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. Amen.